Chapter 11, Mayan Territory, present-day Nicaragua, 1503. Well, this is a fine how-do-you-do, Marcy huffed. Bill shrugged. This is going exactly as I planned. It was not. Though they hadn't quite worked out all the kinks of programming the clock, having no idea what ferritude was or how to use it. The Finkels had done a bit of research on longitude and latitude. Surprisingly, they missed Bill's Karankawa brethren by over 600 miles and at least 150 years. His misguided plan involved locating the nearest indigenous people around and signing his non-threatening intent to reclaim his housekeeper from this local tribe. They had been in Nicaragua for less than 10 minutes before being spotted by hostile locals, and only then did it occur to Bill that they could be a bit off their intended target. The Mayans corralled and tied the Finkels back to back, creating an unfortunately mirrored silhouette of the two captives. They circled Bill and Marcy, clucking to one another and, it seemed at times, making jest of the suburban couple. An argument broke out, and the Mayans squabbled angrily for a full five minutes until finally agreeing to take the prisoners, alive, to the priests of their city and let them sacrifice these creatures to their gods. After a long, dusty walk, full of huffing and puffing from the unfit captives, they reached the Mayan citadel. Marcy and Bill were led through the massive doors at the base of the central pyramid and solemnly marched through a dizzying array of tiny hallways until they emerged into a larger room devoid of furniture, the walls decorated with tapestries of animal symbolism before another small door opened and 12 tiny men filed quietly inside. The Finkel's naked captors stood behind them and, after a small nod from a priest on the far left, untied them and silently departed. Twelve stern, wrinkled faces stared out at them, enveloped in decorative hemp robes, expansively bejeweled in gold, lapis lazuli, and jade. Marcy, always dazzled by sparkly things, broke into a genuine smile. One of the priests approached Marcy cautiously and began to look at her teeth, the way a vet might examine a horse. The priest seemed pleased. Wanadi, the eldest of the priests by a reported 170 years, exclaimed, I know who these strange beings are. I remember the stories I was taught when in training for my priesthood centuries ago. They must be the men from across the seas, the ones who fly on the water. Ilari Chi, the youngest priest, hissed, those pathetic beings in front of us. They babbled over each other as they discussed the visitors, some priests leaning towards immediate sacrifice. Others were opposed to the pointless sacrifice of an unknown quality. One priest thought they should just ask the two why they were here. I have to pee, Marcy moaned. Did I turn the oven off? Bill took a deep breath, ignoring his wife and grabbing his phone from his pocket to check the return countdown timer. There were still at least five more days. The priests stopped their discussions and gazed rapturously at Bill's phone, surrounding him, pushing Marcy aside as they reached for the luminous block in Bill's hand. The next 45 minutes, until Bill's battery ran down, were a magical time for the priests. The Karankwa had shied away from having their photos taken, sure it resulted in losing one's soul to the beholder. The Mayan priests, 
couldn't wait to have their souls stolen, fighting to view the photos, gazing in delight at their own visages. Now reassured they were at least dealing with enlightened, educated travelers, the priests, Bill and Marcy, emerged from the sentencing room as a unified group of peers. Wanadi, the eldest, secretly wanted to confer with Bill on a more tactical matter. He hadn't told anyone of his engineer corps findings, but their citadel was slowly sinking. He thought perhaps a man who flew over the waters could help him save their empire from ruin. If not, he could always have him sacrificed and ask the gods to intervene, though they hadn't seemed to hear their prayers of late. <laughs>